Hi, I'm James Crichton, and this is Actors on Process. Today is Monday, October 12th, 2020, and my guest today is Caitlin Kinnanen. Back in May, Caitlin joined me on Zoom from her apartment in New York City to talk about all things ranging from her Broadway debut in Spring Awakening to her most recent Tony-nominated performance in The Prom. This was a special episode for me, as Caitlin is one of my first friends in New York City. But I'll let you discover our origin story in today's episode. She is as kind as she is intelligent and talented. But you already know that. We'll dig into handling panic on stage, the original roles she's created on Broadway, and how she's used her time this year to reflect and recalibrate after a busy and hectic 2019. Before you listen to today's episode, please open Instagram, type in at Actors on Process, and hit follow. You know you want to. And then, if you're feeling generous, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Without any further ado, I'm so excited to share today's interview with my friend, Caitlin Kinnanen. so happy um okay so we met doing a reading of a show called the mudge boy um and we did how many readings of that did we end up doing like two of them and an album is that right well i think what ended up happening was we were scheduled to do it and then hurricane sandy hit so it was pushed yes 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 i understand reading of it and then we did an album of it yes Yes, but yeah, so we spent a lot of time together working on this project, and I was like, I felt instantly in love with you, with your voice, with your acting, with your, like, complete, well-rounded, good energy and spirit, and just you as an individual, and I'm obsessed with you still. I think you are one of the most incredible performers of our generation if I can say so and um yeah I'm obsessed with you so that's but we met doing a doing a reading and um yeah well Caitlin I instantly (laughs) found you as well her character oh my gosh your character's name is Tanya Tanya and she was the only person that was nice to me and she was the only person who... In the show. In, in the, the show. show. In the Everyone show. was nice to you in life. Yes. past was... <laughs> but um, no, Tanya was the only character that sort of like naturally like liked me. And so you and I did become like friends pretty quickly on. And, and Caitlin, in addition to obviously being an immense Tony-nominated talent, to- Caitlin would like... I was pretty new to like the auditioning scene at the moment. And I would text Caitlin these sort of insane questions being like, Caitlin, can I do this audition like 
on the floor. Can I sit on the floor and like do it like this? And be like so sweet and be like, I don't know if that would be the most effective way to do it. I would advise you to stand. I'm like, maybe don't sit on the floor for this one. Right. Maybe you shouldn't like be on your knees pleading like a prayer. Maybe you should stand up. And I would be like, got it. Say no more. So you really were sort of a huge guru to me. And, and at the time we were doing so many like self tapes together and everything like that. So we've gone through a lot of, of wonderful things in this, in this big bad apple, but. Um, we have, because not- how long ago was that? Was that was like, oh my God. Yeah. Really? 2012. So we had, we had quite a, Whew. right. I know. It's been a minute. Okay. I'm way. It's been a minute. I'm way too old for the role now. Um, I was verging on. Aren't we all for the role at that point? But now we're really pushing it. But uh, <laughs> I had to audition for a 16 year old the other day, like someone who had just turned 16, and I, for the first time, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Like, maybe- but I can. I am an actor. Yeah, maybe we have to retire it. But also, as long as they're asking, I will. <laughs> I know. I was like, they wanted me to do this. They know how old I am. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> I will. I will deliver for you. But enough about us together. I want to talk about you, and I want you to talk about growing up in Washington State, who you were as a kid, okay. and your intro to theater. All right. Well, um, I was a little weirdo. Um, that is the first thing I'll say. Um, I grew up on Camino Island, which is an island um, that's part of the San Juans in Washington State. Um, And I started doing theater when I was three years old. My mom didn't want my sister, my older sister and I to be afraid of public speaking when we grew up. So she enrolled us in this theater camp. Um, And I just kind of grew up in it and it's the only thing I've ever known and I kept doing it and it's my profession now and I always joke that like my mom must really regret putting us in these classes because not only am I still afraid of public speaking I'm now an actor for a living um (laughs) but yeah so I did um theater in Washington State up until I was 15 uh, and I was homeschooled and I got to do pretty much all of the theater I wanted to because of that. It really freed up my schedule so I could be going to rehearsals from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. at night and then driving home and then not having to get up at 5 a.m. to go to school the next day. Um, so the being homeschooled really allowed me to pursue theater to the full extent in Washington State. I ended up working at uh, Village Theater, the Fifth Avenue, Seattle Children's Theater, um, a couple of other places, but I really just, I started working professionally in Seattle when I was 11 through all of the um, summer camps and classes I went to. They were part of um, Village Theater, which is a professional theater in Issaquah and Everett, Washington, and so because I was in the classes, I got to audition for their main stage shows, and I ended up getting in a couple of them, and that's kind of where it all started. Um, and then do you want me to continue on my life story or should, sure. do we want to talk about any of that? Okay, great. Well, I was just going to um, ask, like, what do you believe that, like, a homeschool education, like, offers, uh, aside from, like, you know, you mentioned, like, rehearsal schedules and things, like, what else that a more traditional classroom setting might not? It, for, it's very different for, um, everyone. It really depends on 
who you are, what you want to be focusing on, all of that. So it's very like very open and it can be whatever you want it to be. But for us, it really let my family focus on creativity and following the passions that we were invested in and really just like a lot of self-discovery and self-growth and just um, kind of soaking up the world around us. It gave us a lot of freedom. Um, and that is something that like I always look back on and I'm, I am so thankful for that this homeschooling adventure really was about just like discovery and not having limitations. I love that. Um, and then I had one more nerdy question that I think yeah. like, some younger listeners might be interested in knowing. Like, what was in young Caitlin's audition book? Like, you were <gasps> oh. around Seattle theaters in Washington. What were you, what were you singing? What was I singing? Um, I sang Beautiful Candy from Carnival. Um... <laughs> Um, that was like a huge go-to. I actually, um, let me see if I can find it. Hang on. Oh my gosh. I was not expecting to hear that. You. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, she has it. I have it. Um, I'm go, I'm like doing a lot of like purging right now to like clean out my apartment. Um, and I found this CD of audition tracks that my voice teacher made me when I came out here to New York so I could, like, continue to practice. Oh. Um, so I had Who Knows, Beautiful Candy, Smash the Mirror, My Brother Lived in San Francisco, which I still, to this day, sing. I've been singing it since I was probably 14 years old, and it, I love it so much. I still have that one in my book. Um, if I Own Today wild bird which i still sing to this day and apparently i had better from little women i don't ever remember singing that in an audition ever um but yeah that. i also yeah those are like those were those were the go-to's i love that beautiful candy was that. my my calling card if you will that's amazing i was not expecting that um you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> really into that. Um, but now go back to, you could, you said, I want to do whatever. So go ahead. Okay. Well, so first I would like to say one song that is not on that list that I auditioned for my first professional show with. I auditioned for Annie with Stepsisters Lament. My jaw is um, So there's that. <laughs> I was so weird. Um, I'm sure everyone behind that table was like, um, who is this weird 11-year-old girl singing Stepsisters Lament? Both parts just like <laughs> full out. Oh boy. Where did that um, fearlessness go? <laughs> I wish I still had it. I asked um, myself that. Oh. But anyway... <laughs> um, so yeah, so I did theater in Seattle until I was 15. And then I went to an open call for Spring Awakening, which was crazy. Um, at the time, I was doing a production of High School Musical at Seattle Children's Theater. And a bunch of us were like, oh, they're, they're doing these auditions for the national tour of Spring Awakening. Let's all like go. And I, so I went and I was like, okay, whatever. Like, let's see what happens. And two people in High School Musical got a call back, and I didn't hear anything. So I was like, eh, whatever, moving on. 
Um, and then I got a call on a Thursday night from the casting director and they said, hey, is there any chance you could be in New York on Saturday morning for a callback? And my mom and I were like, uh, yeah, 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 I guess the answer to that is yes, we can. <laughs> so I had to figure out, like, leaving High School Musical for a few days and getting a last minute plane ticket and hotel room in New York. Um, and that all worked out. So I went to New York and I ended up having three rounds of callbacks for Spring Awakening in New York over a couple of months. And then at the end of that, I actually had, this is like my favorite story. My, I had my 16th birthday on the day before my final callback and I had a work session with Kim Grigsby that day on my birthday and we were like going over stuff and they also like at the the last round of auditions they were in the the um middle of like making this documentary about the process I don't know whatever happened to it but there's all of this like footage of us auditioning and like doing interviews and like crazy stuff so they were like recording my session with Kim Grigsby and I remember just like it being so weird but what I remember is it was my sweet 16 and I got done with my work session with Kim and was going out into the elevators it was at Chelsea Studios on 26th Street um, when it was still Chelsea Studios and I was like getting in the elevator I had hit the button and Kim comes running down the hallway and like stops the elevator and is like oh uh, by the way happy birthday and then like left and I was like what's happening um, so that was my 16th birthday anyway um, we then I had a like the final call back the next day it was fine we got to audition on the stage which was so crazy. Like that doesn't happen anymore. You used to have um, your final callbacks like on the stage of the show um, in a Broadway theater. So it was like my first time performing in a Broadway theater. Uh, it was insane, um, like totally overwhelming and crazy. Um, and so then I flew back home, continued doing High School Musical for a little bit. And then they called and they were like, hey, so we want you to be in the show. We actually want you to be in the Broadway company because you're too young to go on tour. Um, and, but the thing is, is Remy Zakin is still in the show and um, we don't know when she's going to leave. So just hold tight, know that you're the one that we want um, and we'll let you know when it's time. And I was like, okay, cool. I guess we'll see if this actually happens. And sure enough, about six months later, they called again and were like, hey, can you be in New York in two weeks? And I was like, yes, I can. And so my mom and I packed up. We found an apartment to sublet in Midtown. And I started rehearsals for my first Broadway show. And it was insane. And you ah. were literally 16 years old. Yes. I was 16 years old so, and like a naive 16, not a cool hip, like naive. 21st century, like 16. Who isn't? So first of all, we have to talk about your amazing mother who literally oh, yes, we do. <laughs> uprooted her life as well. And you guys mm -hmm. moved. Is that the same apartment that I knew that was on 52nd, between 52nd and, or was it a different? No, place? different oh. apartment. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we had, um, like a, it was a fourth floor walk up that was really just like a skinny, skinny hallway with 
a room at either end of the hallway and like the, the kitchen was in the hallway it was such a weird apartment um but it was home for like eight months wow. um and my sister ended up moving out to new york with us my parents had a long distance relationship for two and a half years um and they made it work they've been married for 30 years now um so like really just like the shout out goes to my entire family for being like yeah let's do this and making it work and still being a family and still like communicating and being proud of each other and supportive and my family is the best. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, every time, I mean, I've heard this story a few times. I've never heard the full, full, full version, but it's still, you know, it makes my heart race every time I hear it. It's just yeah. exciting. And it's one of those like dream come true situations. I mean, spring awakening for me at that age was nuts. Like everybody, yeah. AOL, you know, buddy profile on AIM was like, my junk is you. <laughs> And like all yeah. of these things, like it's, it, it was iconic for us. And so I want to just talk about what building your community in New York City was like at the time. I mean, you were joining a hip hop mm -hmm. musical. What were rehearsals like at that time and uh, any fondest memories? Yeah, so it was, it was really interesting actually, because when I went into the show, there were, I think, seven of us going in together which doesn't when you're replacing people in a show doesn't happen very often a lot of the times it's like one person will go in and so it was cool because we actually got to rehearse together and we got to like build relationships in the rehearsal room with each other instead of just like being thrown into a company by yourself and you having to like fully adapt to that we got to kind of like build things together which was really nice but we had like I think we had like three weeks of rehearsal. It was very hands-on. Um, Michael Mayer was there with us and like was in the rehearsal room with us. He was also putting up the tour at the same time. Um, and we would get to rehearse on the stage and we rehearsed at Shetler Studios, RIP. Um, and it was crazy and so overwhelming. I was not ready for it at all. And then like, one day all of a sudden you get thrown on stage and you make your broadway debut and like it's truly insane um, because that, you don't like, get like i was gonna say, say like, again on top of that you're like singing these delicious sort of vocal arrangements by Anne marie malazzo that were so like i think about like the things that you have to do in the middle of my junk where it's literally lie back drift like yeah. I remember just yeah. like and like how it's it's so layered and nuanced and I, anyway I interrupted you yeah <laughs> no you're fine it was um the music was really like challenging to learn one of my like favorite weird memories actually is like when we were in rehearsals um I would like go home and drill and drill and drill the harmonies like when I got home from rehearsal and there was one day that I like fell asleep on my bed with my script in my hand and my mom came in and apparently like I was dead asleep but like still singing it <laughs> and I had just like fallen asleep going over harmonies um you had and to. was still they singing so in my sleep intense yeah they were so weird um <laughs> but so beautiful I know um but yeah so like we rehearsed for three weeks and then we had like our put-in rehearsal where you 
where all of the cast who's currently doing the show does it with you. You get to try your costumes and see some lights and stuff. And then that night they're like, okay, go Broadway debut. Um, and it was scary as shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if it wasn't scary enough, um, I remember the first time that I saw Spring Awakening, I was in the first row in the orchestra. And I just remember <gasps> uh, very vividly Jonathan Groff like spitting on me. And I remember very clearly like this, the onstage seating. And yes. I was like a young, like, high school actor at the time like I was in the ensemble of my school's production of like Annie Get Your Gun like I wasn't doing like <laughs> work but I was wondering if you can I, I remember being so nervous that like some of the cast members had to sit on stage amongst the audience and I'm wondering if you could sort of talk about the focus that was required when it came to doing that um and I imagine it was very nerve wracking. So. Yeah. So that was a really um, weird element of the show that like when you weren't in a scene, you were still on stage, you were still present and you were there the entire time. There was, I think like a total of three times I was off stage in the entire show. Um, and it was it was so weird because you would be sitting next to these strangers trying to do your show. And for the most part, they were all, like, fine. But every once in a while, you would get someone who just, like, wasn't a good audience member. And it would be so hard to, like, remain focused and calm. Um, there, was a, there was a crazy one where, like, there was a show where we had to stop because one of the audience members on stage like started masturbating during one of the songs and the cast member like sitting next to him had to like run off stage and be like um no and like security had to like come on and take him off stage it was crazy so like crazy things happened um but on top of that like just the emotional like I don't want to say toll but like commitment that that took was really hard and it was especially hard for me because I'm a type 1 diabetic and this was the first time I had to deal with um like managing my diabetes on stage for that long and so I would be like sitting in those seats with the audience just thinking like oh my gosh is my blood sugar going low am I okay am I okay and like technology was very different at that point so I didn't have a lot of the tools that I have now to like negate those fears um so I actually during spring awakening was the first time I started having panic attacks and I would get them on stage when I was sitting and watching other scenes because I would just like start freaking out um and so that was a really hard time for me because I was figuring out a lot of the things that I now am very comfortable speaking about and very um open about but at the time I was like, I don't know what's happening to my body. I feel like I'm dying. Like what is going on? But that was like the catalyst of it all was spring awakening and sitting on stage. (laughs) And that's when I started having the panic attacks. I, I get it. And I, I was doing a a play in college and I'll never forget. It was before I met you. I was doing a, a play in college and, um, one of the actors was doing a, a scene and he was actually in the scene, 
but he was just sitting in and watching for a like a good chunk of time and he didn't have uh-huh. any lines to say but he had to be present and we were doing a play in the round completely and i think he just started to feel the walls closing in on him a little bit and yeah he i was like watching because i had to make an entrance and i i saw that he was starting to sort of you know you start to do a little bit of like the fidgets because you're not sure what's coming over you but i remember him yeah coming off stage and literally just like putting his head between his legs and not being able to like catch his breath and just saying like i don't even yes i feel like i blacked out i feel like i was able to say what i needed to say but I had a, like, a, I feel like I had a blackout. I don't know what's coming yes. up to me. And he realized that it was, it was a panic attack in the middle of the show. And I thought to myself, I can't imagine anything worse than that. And, and I do want to talk about this. And we could also talk about it in regards to the prom. But, like, I've had a few, my panic sometimes on stage manifests itself differently, too. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this one. My panics, I love that we're, like, trading, like, panic stories. My panic sometimes... <laughs> manifest itself if I know that I have a big like chunk of text or maybe like a maybe it's like a monologue in a show or something coming up where I have to deliver a long piece of text before I begin it you have that moment of like I don't remember anything I don't remember what's next I don't remember what's next and then you open your mouth and something does just fly out but like for a time no matter what I was doing there was always this one like hiccup or a moment in a show where I would just be like, I don't know. And I would go into a panic and you have to find a way to develop tools within yourself to like breathe and and drop in. So like, what do you think that you learn during spring awakening? Like what did that experience teach you? Um, Oh boy. You know, I think what spring awakening taught me was perseverance and just like pushing through and continuing on. Um, I don't think I knew that at the time, but I think looking back, that is 100% what it was teaching me. It was like, no, you just have to keep going. Um, And now I can look back at it and be like, okay, that's what I learned from this experience. Um, And to like, yeah, just that. Um, But it's interesting because like panic um, and anxiety and all of those lovely things really manifest in such different ways for everyone, which I think is so fascinating. Like there is no one panic attack that is the same for anyone. Um, And so for me, it really is, um, mine is really like, like stomach based. And so like my panic attack starts when it's like, I feel like I'm going to throw up and then I can't like, I never do throw up, but it's the like, I'm going to throw up on stage. I can't throw up on stage. How do I get through this if I'm going to throw up on stage? Um, and then I also have the ones that are the like, I don't remember what I'm supposed to say. How, how are words supposed to come out of my mouth? I don't know what's next. Um, and those ones are their own special type of terrifying, especially when you have so much that you, your character has to say. Um, so that would happen during, prom a lot where it was like oh my god and luckily like during prom it was cool because like that group of people was so supportive and like loving and caring just in general but like I would be able to tell them like hey I'm feeling weird today like have my back (laughs) and they would and like there were points where like during dance with you I would just be like I don't know what's supposed to come out of my mouth next I don't know what the notes are I don't know what the words are and Izzy would just like look me dead in the eyes and like give us like the signal that it's like nope we've got this and we can calm down and breathe through it prom is when I started um 
meditating before shows and that was really helpful meditation taught me a lot about like how to harness my breath into getting through this um so that was really helpful but it really like for me it depends on the show it depends on what i have access to it depends on the moment there are so many variables that make it so scary um but you kind of figure it out as you go along and you work with it and around it and through it and you just have to keep going uh, amen i don't know if that answered anything you asked me but that's of apparently what i did. wanted to say of course it did and i think what you said is so smart and and it has to be true because we're still here and we're still doing yeah it. so yep. it has to be true um isn't that amazing i mean we can move on but i mean isn't it amazing that one of my best friends megan and i when we were in high school and you know doing talent shows or shows we always used to say to each, our, each other before we walked on stage for a big moment like i feel so nervous i could throw up but it's like yeah why do why do we keep doing this and then it was just this moment yeah. of pause and it was like i love it yeah, exactly. I had a psychiatrist, like the first psychiatrist I ever saw when I started having the panic attacks during Spring Awakening, um, flat out was like, I don't think you should do this anymore. You shouldn't be an actor. And it was such a like gut reaction of like, no, you're wrong. I should be an actor. There's just a way that I have to deal with it and have to like negotiate my emotions within doing it because for me, there is no other option. Like being an actor is what I am supposed to do. So yeah, we put ourselves in these situations where it's like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I'm going to vomit. I feel like I'm going to poo myself. Like what's happening? And you ask yourself like, why do I do this every day? Like I show up and I'm this nervous. What's happening? Like stage fright is so real. And then at the end of the day, you're like, well, I do it because I love it. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as that. I know. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But uh, <laughs> anyway, moving on, um, I want to talk about another experience. I mean, Caitlin, you literally did like the hottest shows in the world. Like the next <laughs> for me, that was like my favorite obsession in the entire world was Pulitzer Prize winning Next to Normal. And yes. I'm wondering if you could talk just about like what changes in the experience of going on tour and uh, like what does that life offer that a sit down engagement doesn't? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went on tour with Next to Normal in 2011, I think. Um, I am bad with years. Um, and I understudied the role of Natalie. It was a nine month contract. And um, I learned that I don't like touring. <laughs> um, some people love it and they love being able to like go to all of these new and different places every week. They love seeing all of these sites and exploring and like getting to see the country and like i do love that i love getting to see the country i love traveling but when you're doing it for that amount of time and you're truly in a new state every week for me it was um it was just too much i like i'm like i don't like change i like routine i like having my things and so for me it was like I don't have routine. Things are changing every week. I don't have my things. <laughs> um, but it was great. And it taught me like in the nine months of our run, I went on a total of six times. Um, and so it really taught me a lot about like focus and work ethic and showing up and like being prepared and ready and like doing your homework. Um, 
yeah, it was a wonderful experience in that sense because it taught me so much about that. Did you, were you able to kind of like watch it like one night a week and then maybe one night a week you'd go backstage and sort of walk yes. through it? Yes, it definitely is like you want to create um, your own like cover routine that it's like, yeah, you watch it once a week you have your rehearsal once a week and then you can like shadow once a week kind of thing and just keeping on top of it. Um, it's really about just like, just keep doing your homework and keep staying fresh because you never know when it's going to happen or when it's not going to happen. And you'll have three months between doing it. So you just got to stay ready and you do that however you can. (laughs) Another thing that you, pick up as you go and you learn yeah yeah well let's talk about the first time that you originated a role um, okay and I want to talk about the bridges of Madison County um right. where you played Carolyn yes. uh at both the Williamstown Theater Festival and then of course mm-hmm. on Broadway two different and glorious mamas uh yep. Shadow and Kelly O'Hara yes and um I'm wondering if you could talk about the joy of creating that musical out of town at the gorgeous Williamstown campus. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. It is a summer that I will always remember and uh, hold in like fondest memories. Um, It just is magical. Williamstown is magic. Um, And that show was magic and the company was magic and we just got to create art um and it was so magical how many times can I say magic in the span of a minute but like truly it was so great and just everyone wanted to be there they wanted to be doing this show they wanted to be creating this special piece of theater um and that's what we got to do and I loved every second of it you know you live in um these dorm rooms for like two months and you it's I don't know it's like just being at like summer camp with your friends and you get to create musical theater while you're there and so it's like it's adult summer camp is what it is and it's the best and so to have that experience and then get to continue with the project onto Broadway was so special and like it was the first time I had ever originated something and got to see it through from an out-of-town production to Broadway. Um, And so that was just really special. And I don't know, the whole thing is just special. It was truly art and I loved every second of it. And I love that show. I love those people. They're still some of my greatest friends. Um, Yeah, we just like created a family and it was the best. I mean, the whole score and just everything about it is is heaven on earth. And I remember yeah. the time when you were working on it, I think we had had a conversation. You have to correct me what my, my facts <gasps> are. I remember okay. talking about there was like a song. I remember at first it was, it was a different song at the start of the second act. And then I think State Road 21 came in or something. Yes. And, and he didn't, wasn't the song introduced to you sort of like, in a flash and then it was like okay we're doing it tonight you, you are confusing two stories okay correct but they're both they're both accurate you've just m- like mushed them together Hit so me. yeah so state road 21 was not in the show when we did it in williamstown they threw it at us during rehearsals and we're like 
what was confusing about that one was that Jason Robert Brown took Derek Clennett and I into another room and he's like, Hey, I want to rewrite this. This is like kind of what I'm feeling. How, like, does it groove with you guys? And we were like, yeah, that sounds awesome. What we didn't know was that like, that was him teaching it to us. We thought he was just like playing it for us, for us to hear it. No, like we were supposed to like know it. And so we came back, like, I don't know, a few days later and they were like, okay, we're going to do state road 21. And Derek and I were like, um wait what we don't know it (laughs) and so there was like this miscommunication of like oh no that was our rehearsal and we were all completely unaware of what was actually happening um but the thing that was thrown at us during previews was that there was a scene in the show that it was when Derek and I were coming home from the fair and we like barge in the house and we're like just screaming at each other and screaming at um Francesca and like I was talking about something and Derek was talking about something else. And during previews, they were like, we actually want to do the scene exactly as written. We just want to switch the roles. So Derek, you're going to say all of Caitlin's lines and Caitlin, you're going to say all of Derek's line. It goes in tonight. So we had to memorize each other's lines that day and just be like, oh God, I hope this works out. And it did. It was totally the right thing to do. The scene was so much better. It made so much more sense with the role reversal. But oh my God, that was terrifying to like go on stage and be like, am I saying the right line? Is it, is this me or is this you? Which one is it? Oh God. But again, it's that thing of like Derek and I like going over it before. And then like right before that scene being like, we got this, we've got each other. Let's do it. But yeah, that was scary. (laughs) I don't remember if I saw a preview it must have been a, a a preview, I think, of the show because I was like I was starving for it. Like the minute that I was able to get, there, <laughs> I needed I needed to go. And so, I remember being there, and I was working on Jasper and Dudlin at the time with Hunter. He was like doing your show, and then he was also the book. Yes. He was like coming and sometimes like sitting in. And I remember the performance that I saw of your show in the opening number. There was a uh, an ice spill, and like oh, they were no. ready to like go and they spilled like ice all over the floor. And I just thought that it was one of those magical moments. It's so rare. I mean, for us as actors, I think you are always cognizant of like, this went wrong tonight or this went wrong tonight. But as an audience member, it's so rare to actually watch something kind of like, quote unquote, go wrong. And I remember just being so thrilled by like watching how everybody navigated (laughs) that and like seeing it through this new musical lens. But I was so emotional like seeing you in that because like we said, it was it was this role that you had created and we were still really young. I mean, that was almost yeah. like, what, six years ago? Or? Yeah, we closed six years ago yesterday, yeah. so which I mean, is like, insane. Just, I can't believe that that much time has passed, but in terms of emotion, nothing could have prepared me for seeing you as Emma in the prom. <laughs> so like to set that up really quickly, like I took, well, me and my boss and several of my colleagues took our students from our musical theater studio to see you in the show. And you had come already and done a masterclass with them. I yes. Yeah. And we came a few months later to see the show. And we were sitting in the first row of the mezzanine. And I remember the students were so freaked out by me because I was either <laughs> crying at you or laughing so hard. And they didn't, like, understand the, like, theater, like, <laughs> 
like um what's beth level's song that's like it's not enough about um it's not about me it's not about me like the beauty and the beast like townspeople lyrics yes i was on the floor and the kids were kind of just like but it was truly <laughs> truly truly heaven on earth and i remember you kind of auditioning for that but i'm wondering mm -hmm. if you can talk about the initial audition for the project yes um so the initial audition for the project was like, hey, can you come in for this project in two days and read for the role of Alyssa? It's like a typical cheerleader. Um, here's a song you can learn. And I was like, I am not right for this, but okay, I'll do it. Um, it was an incredible team. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go in and audition. So I went in and I auditioned for the role of Alyssa. Um, and when I was done, I was on my way out and Casey Nicola, our fabulous director was like hey I think you're actually more of an Emma will you go and look at the side in the hallway and then come back and do it for us and I was like yes I will so I spent about 10 minutes out in the hallway at new 42 looking over what is now what was now the um monologue before unruly heart I read that a couple of times and went in and did that for them and then sang the same song that they had given me, but in the style of Emma. Um, and so I did that. And then the next day I got a call saying I had booked the role of Emma and that was for a 29 hour reading. We did that in like December of 2014, I think. Um, and then my life was forever changed after that moment. And here we are almost five years later and it's the gift that keeps on giving uh yeah um we're moving <laughs> to the other stuff in your own words can you just talk about who emma is oh, emma is the most incredible person ever um she's a 17 year old lesbian and she's fearless and honest and completely insecure and I think that is something that the writers did so well in capturing her spirit because um, she's all of those things, you know, like you can be fearless and powerful and um, outspoken and also insecure. You can be all of those things. We are imperfect beings, humans. Um, and so they did such a wonderful job of capturing all of those emotions and putting them into a wonderful 17 year old character yeah i mean you were with the show for so long i i'm mm -hmm. wondering if there's something in particular or just a lesson that you learned and how to not be precious with material <laughs> as things are constantly changing was there something that was really hard to part with or was there something that you were thrilled to receive yeah i mean um what's so cool about um Emma is that she really didn't change that much throughout the process of prom. You know, they like really hit the nail over the head with her from day one. Um, and so I think over the five years of like living with her, it was just about like, how can Caitlin and Emma grow together? And so from my life experience, that I like brought in and growing because when I started doing the show I was 24 years old and by the time we closed I was 28 like that's a lot of life that's a lot of life to happen so I think like truly the change that came to Emma was just me having lived more um but like really the material stayed the same there were little line changes here and there but nothing major um, the one like big change that happened musically was the end of dance with you. They made it this big, um, 
broad belt instead of this like quiet head voice moment but we did that back in Atlanta um they also changed the end of unruly hearts to make it um again this like big and broad sound which I really loved so like I really don't think um with prom there was anything that I was like precious over and needed to like get over myself to let go um it also was a super collaborative process our writers again are like incredible and they were really open to like suggestions and conversations and like how can we make this the best version it can be do you do you remember what i did to you one day uh in the middle of (laughs) (laughs) i think i do remember what you're talking about would you like to tell everyone once this uh ambulance passes my apartment Oh, it just stopped. It stopped. Um, okay, continue. What, what did What did you make me do? You know, but I will say it in that there was a, you guys did some sort of like, I don't know if it was like a demo or whatever it was, but it was a solo edition of Dance with Yes. It was like a promotional tool and it was yeah. highly effective for me. And <laughs> I listened to it constantly. You're ridiculous. I was with you. I think we went to Schnipper's. Yeah. And I think I convinced you, I think I like leaned forward at the table and was like, Caitlin, do you have a file somewhere in that phone of yours mm-hmm. <laughs> of the sheet music of dance with you? And you were like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, would you let me walk you to Ripley Greer right now? I will pay for a 15 minute room. And can you please just sing it live for me and I will play it for you. And again, mm-hmm. your true better judgment, you did it. And I would only do that for you. <laughs> no one else can make me and do we that. I really walked into Ripley Group. My hands were trembling. I think it's in like G flat. I don't remember what key it's in. I was trying <laughs> to like play it and my hands were shaking because I was so nervous and I was so excited and I kept hitting so many wrong notes. And like a true professional, you just plowed through. And I truly like was so moved and like I asked you I asked you in advance if you would be maybe be comfortable reading something and and I have been saying to everybody who I've interviewed so far this season I guess it's just the theater fan in me like I have been so emotional by like people just like either speaking a chunk of text or like doing whatever from the show and like hearing it come alive again and and I'm wondering in that vein if I can convince you one more time to share (laughs) something with us from the prom Yes. Um, yes. So one of my like favorite emotional moments of the show was at the end of act one. Um, and it was, it's sung, but it didn't get put on the album because it would like completely ruin the album like flow. So it's not on the album. So it's not preserved anywhere, which breaks my heart because it's this beautiful emotional moment that Emma has. And it's truly like, it's Emma's breaking point. Um, It's when like her world completely falls apart. It's at the end of um, the first act. It's after all of the other teens have sung Tonight Belongs to Us. She goes into, so many spoilers for people who have never seen the show, sorry, Um, when she goes into the fake prom and discovers that all of these kids have set her up um, to break her heart. Um, And, like, she's talking with all of the Broadway stars, and they start, like, fighting amongst themselves, and there's this moment where I would walk up stage and, like, have a 
private moment upstage where like no one could really see me and then like Dee Dee and Mr. Hawkins have this fight and then they split apart and I would just walk down straight center um and I sang what did I sing I have to remember the words um one thing's universal life's no dress rehearsal when people find a scapegoat to condemn we went big and yet we've blown it well I guess I should have known it uh what are the words known it all along tonight belonged to them and it's right then that Alyssa comes in and says she has no idea and then Emma like cries and it's, it's just like such this like beautiful heartbreaking moment that like spurs Emma into like completely owning herself um and it was so it was one of my favorite parts every night and it didn't make it on the album and I love it so much. Well, thank you for sharing. And of course. I'm wondering like, again, just quickly about the prom, like was there a moment specifically in the show that allowed you to really like either actually playing your feet or metaphorically feel like you were grounded in the show? Yes, um, Unruly Heart, Every Night. That was my favorite song to perform. It's my favorite song in the show. I think its message is so absolutely incredible. And just like sitting on that bed with the guitar and then like having the ensemble come in and like back me up. That was like the moment where both as Caitlin and as Emma, you it was just this like, I always felt like, like my jaw couldn't open wide enough for the sound that I wanted to come out of my body. That it's just like this, like, I don't know if you can imagine like this huge beam of light. Oh. Out of the huge beam of light, you have the motorcycle. Motorcycle. Um, no, but it was just this moment that, like, everything came together, and she was 100% herself, and honest, and truthful, and just, like, owning it, and, yeah, I just, like, always wanted to be able to, like, unhinge my jaw and let the sound come out, and I couldn't do that, because bones, but, um... Okay. Yeah, that was the yeah, moment in the such show. A powerful, like image or like descriptor. Yeah. I love that. Just sort of like yeah. you're a vessel for the storytelling and the sound, but like you still didn't even feel like. Yeah, I love that. And that was the moment where I would like. That song is where I like manifested like a lot of things to happen, um, and it was just my like connection with the audience of like we're going to manifest this like better world together. And so, yeah, well, I mean, it was a special we're, moment. We're a year sort of like, it's a year since, you know, the unbelievable Tony season mm -hmm. and you being nominated and this really incredibly powerful show happening. And I'm wondering if you can sort of narrow down, like looking back so fondly, what the show, the role, the Tony, like award season sort of taught you and, and what it continues to teach you looking back? Um, this sounds like so cheesy, but I mean it so um, honestly and not cheesily, but it's like it all just taught me to be myself and to not be afraid of that and to own who I am and to own my individuality and to say no to the things I don't feel drawn to and be the powerful human being that I am and to not be afraid of that. That is what Emma taught me. That is what the people around me taught me. That is what Tony's taught me. Just like stop being afraid. Be yourself. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my God, I'm so sad like this year, like as we walk into like no Tony season at all. It's so weird. It's sad. It's, it's very sad. And I mean, for others who are sort of having a, a hard time, maybe like in this isolation period or who are feeling stuck, like, is there something that you've been up to at this time <laughs> that's inspiring or maybe you're just kind of like, I'm hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's a combination, you know, I think all we can do is our best. You know, we have to take each day as a new day. We have to show up ready, willing, and able to be our best selves in the env- in whatever environment that we are put in. Um, that's all we can do as human beings. And so I think within that, it's really about what is speaking and calling you, speaking to you and calling to you. Um, you know, and so like for me, it's really been about like recouping and re, um, refinding myself you know the last year had been so crazy and so all over the place and so emotional that it's actually been nice to like take a step back start doing yoga start breathing again start the meditation again you know and that's been really good um but it's also like really hard for some people and um you know there are days that are spectacular and just like oh I get to like sit in the sun and relax all day and then there are days that are absolutely miserable and I've been like the most depressed you know it just we got to take it as as it comes and put one foot in front of the other and keep going because it will get better yeah I mean I have to think that's true as well you know it's hard when there's no sort of information moving forward every day we're just sort of in this loop of (laughs) the unknown but yeah I've been finding these conversations to be really um, inspiring mm-hmm. and, and revitalizing in some way. And so we've reached the what? end, Caitlin. What? And uh, I'm wondering if uh, you would be so kind as to um, send a love note to the theater. Oh my gosh. What makes you keep coming back? And why does it continue to ignite your soul? Oh God. Okay. Um, love pictures, like pink paper sprayed in perfume. Um, dear theater, I love you because you let us express and explore empathy. Um, I come back to you every day because you bring a constant joy to my life in getting to tell other people's stories and connect with audience members all over the world. I love you madly and deeply forever come back to us soon love caitlin please soon 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 Mm -hmm. and also but also safely but also safely yes safely and when it needs to be i i just have to hope we'll be back and we will we will so yes it's a matter of staying patient and reading plays and (laughs) you know imagining scenes and and listening to albums and yeah Hopefully this conversation made someone's day. Exactly. It's all we can do. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I adore you and I'm so glad that we finally got the chance to do this. Me too. Like so, so happy about this. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, James. Bye. (laughs) Bye.